0: Welcome to the initial Women's Motorsports Network radio show. Coming to you from the offices of the International Women's Motorsports Association, Melinda
1: Russell. Melinda Russell, welcome to your very first show.
0: Hey Woody, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate your help tonight running the board because I have no clue how that works. And I also want to say thank you to you and Drew Jack for encouraging me and getting me started on these radio shows. You may have created a monster. So I just wanted to give you guys a shout-out first and foremost because I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the two of you. So um, thank you so much for that, and I guess here we go. We're going to get started. So this is the – pardon? Have a good show Okay, I will. Thanks, Woody. So this is the inaugural show for the Women's Motorsports Network Racing. And if you are not familiar with that, that's because it's brand new. It's a a division, if you will, of the International Women's Motorsports Association, which was founded actually last August. Uh, The idea came to me at that time, and we officially launched our website, and everything um, on November 15th. So we're still rather brand new. Um, The International Women's Motorsports Association was founded to connect and celebrate women in any capacity of any age involved in any type of motorsports, now or in the past. So if you work at a track or you own a track or you drive a car, maybe you're on the pit crew, maybe you're just a race fan We couldn't do it without the race fans, so this association is for all of you. I have a lot of men who are also uh, supporting our association, so if you want to catch us on Facebook, go to our page. It's the International Women's Motorsports Association. We would love for you to like and share our page with all the people you know, and our website is iwmanation.com. And you can go there, and and please go there and check out our website. There's memberships available for people to join and support us, and we'd love to have you go there and see what we have to offer for women and men, really, around the world involved in motorsports. So tonight we're going to have our first guest. His name is Tom Pollard. Tom founded the World Motorsports Breast Cancer Foundation, and he and i have met although he doesn't remember but i do a few years ago i actually had a booth at the chicago motorsports show and he'll have to tell us the the actual name of it i forget but i had a booth there for send out cards and how motorsports teams and tracks and things could use send out cards in their business and um I actually remember meeting him and and had his booth, and I actually had picked up a couple things from his booth at the time, and that was probably, I'm going to say, four or five years ago. He connected back with me recently through Facebook uh, about the International Women's Motorsports Association, and through our conversations asked if I would be an ambassador for the group, which I'm honored to be. And the online monthly magazine that I publish called IWMA Nation News, um, we are the official publication for the World Motor World Motorsports Breast Cancer Foundation. I don't know why I have such a time um, saying that. I believe Tom might be on the line with us. Tom, are you there?
1: Tom is not on the line yet. Uh, we'll let you okay. know when he's Okay, he said on the line. he was calling,
0: so... What- so. All right. Woody, his number is. Okay, his number starts with 847. So when you see that calling in, um, then just let me know. So anyway, I I met him mostly really through Facebook, is how we've connected. And I'm excited to say that I'm going to be hopefully a huge part of that organization, helping raise funds and getting the word out through the magazine and through our website, about that organization. I am a 13-year survivor of breast cancer, so this organization is near and dear to my heart. And, um, you know, you hear in the the news all the time, cancer is all around us, all kinds of cancer. And so if there's something we can do for women who race or women involved in motorsports who are going through this, then I say the more we can do for them, the better. So I'm anxious to uh, connect with him tonight and have him tell us more about what he's doing. Um, I thought he was calling, Woody. So let me send him a message here real, real quick. Um, so this is going to be a weekly show, a world uh, weekly show that will go out on Wednesday nights between 7 and 8 p.m. We won't always have women as our interviews. Uh, sometimes we'll have some men, like we're going to have tonight with Tom, and I see that he's going to join us here in a second. So if you know someone who you think would make a great interview for us, or if you would make a good interview, then please get a hold of me on Facebook, and we will get that scheduled. I'm scheduling out for the next three months, and so I would love to have you join us. So, Tom, I think you're on the line with us. Are you there?
1: Yes, I'm here. <laughs>
0: good, Tom. Good good to have you. I, I, You didn't hear the part where I was talking saying that um, probably about five years ago I had a booth at the show in Chicago that you just did. I had a booth for send-out cards and I actually met you that weekend, but I know you don't remember because you meet too many people. But um, I've just given them a little background about the foundation that you have, and and um, so I want to start from the from the top. I want you to tell us a little bit about um, yourself and how you founded this organization and why. And the floor is yours. Just tell us as much as as you can about. What you do, how you do it, and how we can help.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> well, my background is in is in education. Uh, I was a wrestling coach, high school and college, um, for several years. I worked with the uh, the Olympic Committee, the well, the national governing body here in the United States, uh, and. Through that, through through the educational aspect of of it, uh, I basically <clears throat> have traveled the the work scenario uh, quite a bit. I've I've done quite a few different things in my life, other than uh, being a, a wrestling coach and teaching at the college and high school level. Um, about fifteen i say about 15 years ago, I basically uh, was involved in the motorsports industry. Uh, I was working uh, with a custom car shop uh, as a general manager. And <clears throat> attending SEMA, I bumped into an individual who was promoting uh, a breast cancer charity uh, and what he was offering and stuff like that I I was intrigued as to why he wasn't having much success type of thing so I basically volunteered and made several attempts to try to help him promote his charity and try to get it further along Um, that really didn't work out because um, like some of the charities that are out there I basically found out that too much of the money that was being raised was being siphoned off into administrative costs, which for me was, that was hard to take. I I don't understand that, that process at all. So, uh, dealing with uh, my parents who were both ill, um, my dad had Parkinson's who he passed away, uh, from that, and then my mom, who was dealing with uh, bone cancer uh, and passed away from that. Um, I, uh, through the efforts of my mother, <laughs> basically encouraging me to do something, uh, step up and, and try to change the, the course of many of the charities and uh, provide help for the individuals. So, 10 years ago, I basically founded the the World Motorsports Breast Cancer Foundation, combining a few of the things that uh, I really enjoyed, which was the motorsports industry, and trying to educate and women, especially especially younger women, about breast cancer and trying to get them the information that they need, so that they didn't have to go through uh, breast cancer in general. Um, when I was taking my mother to uh, chemo and stuff like that, that's when I really got first-hand information on individuals going through chemo and everything. Um, discovered that many of the women that were in attendance there um, didn't have any support system uh, or didn't, didn't seem like they did. They, they did have, you know, sons and daughters and, and family, but they just didn't seem to be able to handle the, the issues. Uh, so they were attending chemo on their own, uh, trying to get to it and get home from it and stuff like that. Um, and then also discovering that many of them were concerned about paying their bills. Uh, not only just the medical bills but their household bills Uh, and this was strange for me uh, because my parents had had good insurance and had prepared for uh, the inevitable and stuff like that Um, but even so um, it was a discovery to find out that um, patients don't have a support system in many cases. Um, I had left basically working as a, a general manager of a custom car shop uh, to take full, well, full time take care of my parents, and which allowed me to take my parents to, you know, their treatments and stuff like that. Um, if that hadn't been the case, then yes, my parents would have been in the same boat that many other individuals are too. Uh going through that, when my mom was still alive, she kind of impressed upon me that there are, are other individuals that aren't as fortunate as that she was and that somebody needs to step up. So <clears throat> during the period of time that, that I've created the foundation, I had already created it when my mom was going through this and everything, But she was a major influence as to these are things that you should consider to try to correct this type of issue. So the evolution of the charity has been that 100% of any donations that we receive go to a program that we have established. Um, As an example, we have Annie's mini-grant, which basically provides financial help for household bills, uh, groceries, or and or medical bills that the individual basically can't afford to pay. Uh, the insurance doesn't pay or something like that. Uh, and so doing, we step up, we take the bill, and we pay it for the individual um, as long as they have quali- you know, qualified for the, uh, the program. We have several different programs that are basically set up that way, uh, we have a scholarship program, uh, as an example. Uh, there's a veterans program for veterans that are going through uh, cancer issues that the VA doesn't cover, uh, specifically for immediate families and stuff like that. Um, so we've established several programs, and most people are pretty surprised to find out that they can, one, decide where they, what program they can support, and that 100% of the their donation be it a dollar or be it a $1000 uh will go to specifically that program. Mm-hmm. And it's been kind of a a different outlook. In so doing, I've tried to be as transparent as I think is pos- possible. As an example, let's say uh if somebody gave us uh, $100. Uh, I can that will immediately be deposited into the bank our the the fund for specifically for for our, our donations. I send the individual a copy of the don of the, the deposit. Then that deposit once it's into the bank and it's established like if they send us a check we have to wait ten days for it to process and stuff like that. Then it transfers mm-hmm. over to our basically our trust fund program Uh, which is Edward Jones, it goes into an Edward Jones account specifically for, let's say, Annie's mini grant or what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, we send the the individual the deposit, a copy of the deposit that was made into the account. So they've now received two, um, let's say, receipts or verifications of their funds going into an account specifically that they've wanted. They can then go to our Facebook page, and we have periodically, we'll, we'll post uh, when we're doing something more active than right now, because right now it's, we're uh, in between shows, so there's not a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. But they can go to our Facebook page. They will see a sliding scale of all the current programs that we have and how much money is in there. Uh, so, as an example, the hundred or thousand dollars that the individuals donated, they will see, let's say, Annie's Mini Grant move approximately the, that amount. Okay. Uh, and therefore, they have current visibility of, of where the funds have gone and where they're at. Um, that's basically how I've I've established that. Now, each program. We've set up so that once there's five thousand dollars in that program, it automatically transfers. The program changes from um, what I call an account holding program into an actual trust fund. And therefore, let's say once there's five thousand dollars in the program, that program is then generating dollars unto itself. Okay. And our my goal for some of the programs, as as I've been told, is pretty lawful, but um, I I, I think it has to be. I'm a firm believer that instead of you giving funds year in and year out and not seeing any basic results, that if you put it into a trust fund like we've tried to establish, it becomes self-perpetuating. And in, say, 10 years or 20 years maximum, you don't have to provide any donations anymore mm-hmm. because the fund is, is growing on its own. Right. And an example I use uh, when I to talk to uh, people with money, <laughs> I <laughs> basically say, look, if we take a, any program, uh, and I use um, muscular dystrophy, let's drop back 20 years and take the, the first 10 years and take the first $50 million that was raised off of the Memorial Day um, uh, fundraiser that uh, Jerry Lewis used to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Put that first $50 million into a, a trust fund. And then at the end of the 10 years, don't touch it for another 10 years. But yes still do your donations, your programs and stuff like that give the money away do with as you will. At the end of the 20-year period of time, basically you have over a billion dollars a year to give away, which is more than what they raise in a single year. Wow. Pretty um, amazing. Yeah, it's so now <clears throat> instead of trying to raise say 200 or 300 million dollars a year, you have a billion dollars to give away that you yeah. basically, according to the federal laws, you have to give it away. <laughs> um, I don't think, well, it would be very ideal if we could, our programs could reach that type of a goal. Um, then we could service uh, quite a few people, um, yeah, you know, so like Annie's mini grant, instead of five hundred dollars a month, we could say, okay, we're going to help you with a thousand dollars worth of your bills every month, and we can help support, say, ten thousand women who have or men who have breast cancer. Right. Um, so things would dramatically change as to how we could re- go out and uh, effectively help individuals, uh, and that's really. The overall objective of the foundation is to try to raise enough awareness, one, that uh, people will understand where their hard-earned money that they're donating to us will go and how it will definitely affect individuals. Um, And it's been a struggle. I mean, we're in our 10th year. um, We've done on average about twenty five to thirty five uh events every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means that's basically that a, that's we're a going lot of
0: events when you're kind of a one man show, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um uh,
1: unfortunately this year um I've had to actually cancel attending events just because of the fact that my health is such that I, I can't can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the last show Basically, I had to take four days totally off and just basically I wound up sleeping majority of the time. Uh, And I'm still dealing with uh, the cold and everything that I – well, some people think I have the flu, but um, I think it's just the cold um, to deal with basically the issues that are involved, Most people don't understand, but when you say you're going to an event – if one has seen any pictures of our our booth, okay, there's a lot of material that gets taken out and, and set up. It normally takes me by myself about three and a half to four hours to set it up uh, if I don't get any distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, as an example, at the the last show, the, the recent performance show, it it took me almost uh, five hours. To take the booth down, yeah, and I didn't have a pop-up tent. I just had, you know, five tables, uh, our cubicles, and and uh, merchandise. Um, mm-hmm. But it's taking it down, packing it up, then putting it into uh, in a truck, and it has to go in a certain way. Otherwise, things don't fit. Right. But uh, it's more than anything. It's really time. Uh, if yeah. there was another individual or a couple other individuals, and they knew what uh, how things worked, you're probably looking at maybe tops two hours mm-hmm. type of thing. But when it's one person, it takes a lot. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 nothing that I'm uh, not happy about. It's I it's something that's got to get done. Right. But. Uh, uh, we, I feel that you have to be in front of the population because what I have found by doing the events, because we hand out all our educational material is provided free. Uh, yeah. we're one of the few charities that I, I'm at least I'm aware of that uh, you don't have to pay for the educational material. You come mm-hmm. to the booth, we hand it out. You're going to host an event. Uh, you need, want our uh, information to hand to your. Uh, participants you just got to let me know how many pieces that you need and we ship it out right thing. um so you're not and paying that for
0: not free to get printed right
1: <laughs> no that's not uh, uh yeah somebody pays
0: somewhere yeah
1: yeah i haven't found a printer yet that uh is willing to do that uh because right. it it gets to be uh expensive uh yeah, i've looked does. at it and it, and I now understand why some of the companies, you know, charge, but uh, then it just doesn't get into the hands of the yeah. individuals that need it most. So uh, that's one of the aspects that we're providing is free educational material. Um, we don't. When anybody comes to us and says, look, we want to do a fundraiser for you, I say, great, we hand out the individual forms for them to fill out. And then we provide the individual with a, a sanction form that they could post or prove to people that we have approved of the event that they are hosting. Okay. Because they in turn already have, have signed off. They've said that uh, what program they want to support, and so forth. Uh, we have dates, and then we in turn try to promote that uh, to get people who may not be aware of their event that they're trying to to host for us uh, to actually show up. So yeah. um, I kind of try to work hand-in-hand hand with the people that do want to help us. Uh, that's one reason why now we have uh, our ambassador program, uh, which is <clears throat> basically females of all ages who happen to be involved in the motorsports industry who race from right now. Um, Go out and they basically represent us at zero cost to them. Um, yeah. So you might see an individual at a racetrack, a drag race, let's say, uh, going down the strip, and one of our logos decals will be on their their vehicle, or go to their booth and you might see one of our our de- design T-shirts or our flag or something, uh, and they will all have free educational material on their table with their hero cards and stuff like that for individuals to pick up. Right. Um, so we're, we're trying to reach – well, let me back up here. I kind of believe everybody's trying to raise money for a cure. I kind of believe that the younger the women that we can approach to educate them about breast cancer and breast health, and try to live healthier lives and be aware of certain aspects of what's in the environment and things like that. Basically an educational aspect. We can educate the individuals that if they do contract breast cancer, they will have a better chance of finding out, going to a doctor, and being diagnosed early. Mm-hmm. So, as an example, if you catch breast cancer in stage one, you have a 99% chance of recovery. And to me, yeah. that's fear. Um, right. So, it, we come back to education, and our ambassadors are basically trying to put information in front of individuals. This is what you should be looking for. Don't be afraid to go to your doctor. Um, I tell... Husbands and significant others, look. You're you should one. You should be going to the doctor with your significant other, um, and when she says there's nothing wrong, you have to jump in there and say no, there is something wrong. Um, I when my mother <laughs> had me go for the first time to see her oncologist, uh, she was embarrassed. Because I stopped the doctor and said, no, that isn't what's happening. This is what's occurring. Uh, you need to make th- these changes type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the type of person that is pretty um, belligerent. <laughs> that yeah. might be a good word. Uh, <laughs> Stubborn. I will get in your face <laughs> about what I believe is going on. Um, I, my background, uh, I do have a PhD. My master's is in exercise physiology. So I have an understanding of how the body functions and stuff like that. And in some cases I can talk the talk that the medical profession talks. And so I basically got in front of him and I said, look, this is what's occurring. These are the results I put down on paper, my mother's heart rate and, Uh, blood pressure readings. Uh, I had uh, descriptions of how when she took her medication, what the results were afterwards and stuff like that. So these are – I became the eyes and ears of the doctor who wasn't there when she was going through certain things. And so the husband in many cases or boyfriend can be the individual saying, look, when she takes this medication, this is what happens. Is this normal or is this not normal? Um, The doctors I have worked with in the past, uh, the good ones anyway, understand that the more information that they have, the better treatment they can provide. Mm -hmm. And this is something that my discovery of some women going in and talking to doctors and saying, oh, he's such a wonderful person, blah, blah, blah. And I say, but he works for you. Why aren't you telling him what's wrong? And one woman basically said, "Well, I don't want to upset him." <laughs> well, that's his job. <laughs> exactly. She wasn't she wasn't very happy with me because I told her I said, "You have to you're not going to be dating this person. You're he's working for you to save your life. So tell him what's wrong. Don't exaggerate, but basically give him your personal feelings of what's, you know, you take the medication and this is what's happening and uh, you're throwing up all over the place. So can you change the medication so I don't throw up over all over the place? Things like that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I've spoken to breast cancer victims, um, sometimes they, they think I'm pretty hard, but uh, you're dealing with your life. Right. And there's no reason why you shouldn't be expressing yourself to the person who's there to try to help save your life. Yeah. So, so, I, but, you know, uh,
0: as you as you well know, I could relate to a lot of the things you're saying.
1: Yes. I've yes, been through uh, it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: But uh, so, I'm a, Go ahead. I'm I'm more concerned about reaching the younger women because. We're seeing younger women today contracting breast cancer at an earlier age, mm-hmm. and this is where I get upset with the national organizations, where they're still telling you, you women not to do anything until you're you know you're 50, 60 years old, and you could actually be stage four by that case that time. Right. Uh, I had a a girl that was in we encountered who actually helped us for a period of time uh, at different shows. Uh, I can, she found a lump when she was uh, 25. I met her when she was 30, and she mm-hmm. told me that she had a lump, but that her doctor kept saying, Oh, it's, it's nothing, you're too young, and so forth. And I went ballistic on her um, to the point where she was actually crying. I said, Look, you find a be- better doctor, just yeah. get a better doctor. Well, eventually she did, and within three weeks she was operated on. It. Uh, wow. And she she did have breast cancer now. She's 30, well, now she's 35. But she's a 35-year-old female that has to be checked tw- twice a year. Um, and in my opinion, when she was 25, if the doctor would have went in, you know, checked her out, said, did whatever he needed to, to do, um, Let's say it had been simple, minor operation. They would taken the the, the the lump or tumor, or whatever it may have been, taken it out, got rid of it. it She'd be free, and basically going in maybe once every couple of years to be evaluated to see if anything else developed. Big difference between having having cancer and not having cancer. Uh, so. That's my concern. Is with younger women who are being told, "That's nothing. You're too young." Uh, to me, it's like you find something. Doctors should check it. And, yeah. And do what is necessary in order to, to save the life. To me, it's you know we we have a, a saying here. It's our our well our logo and everything is save the knockers, but basically. It's if we can save the woman first. That's our main objective. And we save the woman, we then save the knockers. Um, exactly. And that's you know our whole objective. And that's where I feel that education becomes a, a critical thing. And then trying to resolve the issues that the individuals, the family, basically go through uh, when they discover that they do have it. And I like to try to tell women it's it's not a death sentence. It's something that, you know, yes, it's going to be a struggle depending on what stage you may be in. But uh, today it's, it's better than, like, my. I had an aunt in the 50s who passed away from breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was a death sentence.
0: And right.
1: basically I remember uh, I was just... It was still in in grade school, and the entire family just saying, okay, what are we going to do because she's going to die? Yes. And today, you know, that's not the case. Um, So, and especially with all the different ways for women to discover, you know, what is actually going on, um, especially educating younger women, there's, there's no reason why. To me, there is. We can't have a cure, and that to me, the cure is self-examination, catching everything at an early stage, and doing something about it. Um, you you increase your chances of survival. You know, extraneously. So. Right. But yeah. That, absolutely. I mean, that's just me. I know I'm different from that aspect. Um, you know, I run the the, the charity differently uh, than a lot of the other charities are. Um, it comes to a point where everybody says, "Well, how do you operate? How do you continue?" Well, that's where our, our merchandise that we have, uh, the T-shirts and different items. When you attend an event that we're at, you see a lot of different. Items that are all motorsports-oriented, but also breast cancer-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I, <laughs> I... I. The women are happy that we're at motorsports events because there's something for the women, but also the men are uh, because of the fact that we have something for them to take home for their, their, their wives or their girlfriends.
0: Right.
1: Um, and... I've, you've, you've probably heard this. Men r- repeatedly say, Well, I don't wear pink. And I say, Well, that's fine. How about a black t shirt that says Save the Knockers?
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Or a blue shirt. Uh, I, we have all different types of colors uh, for you to choose from, so you don't have that excuse anymore. You can still yeah. support the program, and, you know. And you, you don't have to wear pink if you feel that you don't. Then I usually turn around and say, you know, pink is very stylish. Yeah. <laughs> so. It, takes, it um, takes a
0: bold man to wear pink. That's what I would say to them. Oh, are you afraid of pink?
1: <laughs> right. Oh. And I'm, I am surprised that the, the men that I encounter, even young men, that, that say, well, uh, they wouldn't wear pink. And I can't figure that one out whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's when I turn around and say, well, fine, We're, you, I, I see that you're wearing a black T-shirt. Would you wear a black T-shirt that has, you know, say the knockers on or, you know, check right. your gauges or whatever type of thing, whatever I may have there at the at the moment that I can yeah. put in their face. Um, then they usually say, well, you don't have a shirt large enough for me. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. love that one. You know, I think
0: it's an uncomfortable bed. subject in some ways for men.
1: Um
0: you know, it's it's very private, uh, you know, and just like a lot of cancer is, different parts of your body. A lot of people are very, per, you know, private about that, and it's a personal thing. And I I know from experience. I actually met my husband when I was going through, right after I had completed my first round of chemo, and I had just lost my hair, mm-hmm. and. I met him, it's a long and interesting story, I'm not going to tell it on the radio, but I met him and the very first thing, the first night that we went out, he asked, or day, he asked me if I would go on a motorcycle ride. Mm -hmm. And it never occurred to me that I was wearing a wig and I'd have to put a helmet on. Never occurred to me. So when he picked me up that day, I put the helmet on over my wig because he had no idea that I was going through this. You know, I'm not telling somebody on a first date, right? And I I put the helmet on. We went to lunch, and we made two other stops, and I took the helmet on and off three times without ever disturbing the wig. He had no idea I was going through cancer, and had just (laughs) lost my hair. Until the end of the date when he asked me if he could take me out again, and I then said to him, Well, I would love to do that, but this is what I'm going through and I don't know how I'm going to be feeling the next few months. Mm-hmm. And he was my rock. I there's no doubt in my li in, in my mind that God sent him to me. He he connected us for a reason and he went to every chemo treatment with me. He made sure I was eating and I was a single mom with two teenage daughters. So you know, that that was uh, – it's a cool story, but um, a lot of people reached out to me when I was going through it and said, well, you know, what can I do to help you? Just let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Well, I know now because I've been through it. When we say that to someone, they're not ever going to call us more times right. than not because I was a very independent single mother and I was not going to lean on anybody that I didn't have to and luckily Mark my husband um you know boyfriend at the time took very good care of me but and and my daughters were in um they were like 7th grade and freshman so they were young and they were in denial somewhat that their mom had cancer and so um <laughs> you've got to be proactive if you know someone that has not just breast cancer or any kind of disease, really. Right. Don't say to them, "Well, let me know if you need anything," because they're never going to call you.
1: If, right, you, you it, know, it's it's your responsibility to step up and say, "Okay, I'm coming over. I'm bringing you dinner, uh, or don't don't cook. Uh, I'm going to cook for you." Or, uh, "When's your doctor's appointment? Uh, I'll pick you up. I'll take you, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll deal with it together." Uh, Absolutely the, uh, That's the one thing I have to say That kind of surprised me uh, When I was taking my mom to chemo And stuff like that Seeing all the other individuals that are there That the number of individuals That didn't have anyone mm-hmm. there um, yeah Just actually uh, Just sitting there going through chemo with no one to talk to uh nothing going on it is just nothing like, to distract uh, them you're sitting yeah, in a room I, it was like i don't understand this i mean the the nurses were, when i would walk into room said well here's our help because i'd be talking to all the all the women and and the guys and uh, that might might be there uh asking them if they needed anything if uh, i saw them uh kind of Getting, you know, starting to cry and stuff like that. I'd be over there to talk to him. Um One woman says, "You're here with your mother. Why don't you taking care of my mother?" I said, "She's the one that's, at, you know, she's happy. She knows I'm here. I'm here for her. But you mm-hmm. need something, just let me know. I'm, I'm here uh, to help you too." Right. Um, it's so. It's no big deal. I yeah. mean, to Anybody To just say, Hi, I'm here. Do you, you need another blanket? Uh, you yeah. You need some water or anything? Mm-hmm. I'm on my way to get some water. I'll pick you up some water. Right. Um, little things like that. Uh, exactly. And that's uh, my objective for the charity is that eventually, so I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we'll find people that have the same heart. Mm-hmm. That uh, will understand, and, and that when you see somebody in need, that you'll basically just you know, go and you do it. Do not you just
0: do it. You don't wait yeah. to be asked.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I have have issues with a lot of people. Um, I, I hear what you've basically said. People say, "Well, let me know what you need," and I tell them, "Fine. Uh, I need somebody to host an event. I need somebody to help us with this here. I need somebody to sit on our board of directors. Uh, I need some somebody that uh, will help us at at a show type mm-hmm. of thing." I says, "You know, right. you don't have to do much." I says, "If you go, if you attend one of our, our shows, work with us in the booth," I says, "You're still going to see the show." I mean, right. I told one guy, "Look, come. You'll see the, the the event. You can check out the entire event. There's no issue there. Uh, you help with the sales in the booth, handing out information and stuff like that." Uh, I said, "But the big thing is, is that it gives me an opportunity that I can go to the bathroom or I can go get mm-hmm. something to eat, um, right? And it's You just need a break.
0: You uh, just need a break. Yeah.
1: And uh, and it's it's not like you're you're putting in hours upon hours of, of labor. Right. So, But most people, they, they verbalize, let me know what you need. <laughs> like one girl the other day says, what do you need? I'd like to help. I said, where do you want to start? Yeah. It's, it's the, you know, every, anything that you need, you think you can do, I need that help. Yeah. I, you know, it's, if it's,
0: So why don't you, because some people need it spelled out. Why don't you, you know, we all live, I live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You live in Illinois. Uh, Michelle, who's one of your ambassadors, lives in, I believe, Pennsylvania. So we're all spread out. So what, can you give me some specifics as to what exactly could you use help with tomorrow or next week? Is there office work you need done? Is there Facebook marketing you need done? What? Give me some particulars, and maybe somebody okay. that's listening will will jump in and help.
1: Well, we have. There's a need for like with our social uh, media, uh, keeping people abreast. So it's basically making posts to our Facebook, our Instagram, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, okay. if there's somebody that knows a little bit about web design, we have two. Uh, websites that definitely need uh, upgrading and work on that. Um, Okay. We've tried to go to different colleges and stuff like that where kids who maybe are taking classes and say web design or something like that and need Mm -hmm. credit, outside credit, well, this would be an ideal project for them. uh, i got a a guy in mind.
0: Keep talking. (laughs)
1: I mean, it's it's little things like that. Um, we have a need for individual to, individuals to sit on our board of directors, as an example, uh, which doesn't require them to attend any meetings or anything like that, except for maybe to get a phone call or email from me saying, okay, this is a project, this is the, sit- the status of the situation, I need your input. Opinion. Mm-hmm. And okay. basically there might be once or twice a year if even that that I need you to vote give us a vote like to give the basically okay. approval. Uh good example of And how of that many
0: board members do you have?
1: Right now there's two. Um we need okay. we should have not counting myself we should have five. Um So six I'm all together. I'm looking for an individual that Yeah, there would be 500 individuals, and they should be individuals who have, say, contacts or, um, say, like an individual like yourself who has uh, an outreach to different individuals uh, that can basically tell people, like, hey, we have this program, blah, 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 type of thing. The board members are normally individuals who can help promote your program. Uh, okay. Help raise money and things like that um yes there's administrative aspects that you would might have to vote on, say yes or no to but in our situation, most of everything is set in stone. It would be mm-hmm. um it was like okay. I, we just recently started a new program basically it's we added on to our prosthetic program, which we provide uh free prosthetics. And hopefully, eventually, augmentation uh, for women who would like that. But for for wigs, cranial oh, yeah. uh, aesthetics, um, and that's going to be for young kids uh, and and adults. Uh, high quality wigs that will be provided for free. The only thing that we're that's different from us in in that regards is that. Once the individual doesn't need the wig anymore, we're asking them to return the wig mm-hmm. so that the hair can be reused, and a new scalp
0: um right Put on form can be made basically. for
1: another individual, so okay. we're basically it can be passed on but uh okay. those are little things like that um gee it's. It's that, I mean it's strange that's a good to have start. somebody say, Well what do you need <laughs> type of yeah, thing. I it's know. Like, when you so, when you're doing everything um well there's uh, I would love to find somebody um uh, that's retired, uh would be an ideal situation who likes attending um uh, events um uh, that eventually will take say take over the foundation mm-hmm. in itself um right so um
0: how far like, we've got we've got about 10 minutes left so I want to try to cover a couple things But when you do events how far like I know you do the one in Chicago you live close um PRIs in Indianapolis that's not that far to go um what what would be the farthest they would go or give me an idea you said you did 35 events that's one every uh, not quite every week, but more than every other week. That's a lot of events. Right.
1: So um, we we've we go up to um, St. Paul for the uh, there's a major car show up there. It's a three day car show uh, that's held at the fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone as far south as uh, Memphis, Tennessee for like the Super Chevy Show. Mm-hmm. uh that's held there at uh in Millington, Tennessee. Uh yeah. We've we go to Indianapolis a couple times a year, <coughs> excuse me a year. hmm uh, we've gone to Detroit for uh the Hydrofest uh Hydroplane okay. uh event uh several times. uh, so it, basically we've gone to, let's say Lima or Lima, however you want to pronounce it, yeah. uh, Ohio, uh, mm-hmm. for an event. Um, if if I get uh, invited, uh, <clears throat> we'll, normally we'll go as long as we can afford to go. Um, right. Unfortunately, some, some places uh, require <laughs> a payment for the booth in which – kind of inhibits us right. uh, from spending. You might as well, well keep some... that
0: money instead of spending it out. Yeah, I get it.
1: Yeah, so I, it's got to I mean, be a
0: big enough show that you think you're going to get a, more back than what you've spent out.
1: Right, and you have to remember is that when we do events, uh, let's let's say there's a a, a a race at a track in Kalamazoo, uh, mm-hmm. and we. We get invited, and let's say they say, "Okay, you can come, uh, but we'll give you the uh, our charity discount, uh, and it's going to cost you four hundred dollars for the booth." Well, mm-hmm. okay, that four hundred dollars has just turned into probably closer to eight hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, double it. Have the, you got yeah, to drive an here and get over there.
1: We have a hotel now because mm-hmm. it's a say a two-day or three-day event, which means mm-hmm. okay, that's actually. Three or four nights for us, uh, right. for me, uh, type of thing. Yeah. And I say yes because I usually drag my my little pit bull with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, uh, it's food. Uh, and believe me, we don't. Even when there's somebody that's helping us, uh, if it's another guy, okay, you're gonna share a room with us, with me. Yeah. Uh, and uh you're you might eat at domino's or you know you're not going to eat yeah, at it. Me.
0: right
1: so yeah we we try to be as responsible in in that aspect I I've told people this is if you're going to go to an event with me you're going to eat what I eat and when I eat so <laughs> yeah that's an issue uh feel free to bring your you know your lunch pail with you because uh uh, I'm not going to stop just for you. Uh, mm-hmm. That's inhibited a lot of the females from going yeah. on, on trips with us because they say I have to, and I said, well, no, you don't. Uh, you, you're here to take care of the foundation. You're representing the foundation, and so forth. Yeah. But um, yeah, it an event could. Well, when we went to Detroit, when you're it, the people actually we had to pay twenty five hundred dollars just for the booth. And well and that yeah. was and we were expecting like a hundred thousand people. We were told that there'll be you know, that many people for sure. Uh mm-hmm. all these major companies were gonna be there and stuff like that. Companies were there and everything, but they stuck us in an area off the beaten track. Mm-hmm. Therefore we didn't get the the traffic and we definitely didn't raise the, yeah. enough money to pay even for the booth. Right. And when they turned around says, said, well, will you come back? I said, no, no. And I said, well, yeah, we'd really like to have you back. I says, mm-hmm. well, fine, but we can't afford to pay you $2,500 for a booth and get stuck in a you know, in yeah. a spot where there's no traffic. Right. Um, we eventually just I said, did look, that
0: to me, unfortunately, the year I was there. And so I was not happy. But, you know, when you're a nonprofit, they've got to realize you don't have the funds that everybody has. So, um, okay, you've given me some good information. You and I are going to need to talk again after the radio show's over this week sometime because i got some ideas for you. Um, so how, how would somebody get a hold of you? That's the last thing I'm going to make you tell me, and then I'm going to let you go back to watching TV or what else you were doing tonight. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, I know you have a Facebook page. What's the best way?
1: Uh it's either on Facebook or direct email. Uh and my personal email is D as in dog, R as in Robert T O M Tom forty six at Yahoo dot com. Okay. I'm gonna post so, that
0: on I'm gonna re- yeah. you know, post the link for this this show and then I'll post that with it so people can get a hold of you. So we don't want somebody who is interested or, or has a heart, like you said. These are people who have a heart for women or men who have had breast cancer or are going through it because once you've been through it or you have someone who's been through it, then it comes closer to you than just hearing about somebody. So I want to make sure those people can get a hold of you if they, if they have the desire to help out in some way. You know, what I'm hearing is if you... If you had somebody call who was having an event in, let's say, Ohio, and they wanted to offer you a chance to set up a table, that if you had an ambassador or someone that you could reach out to in Ohio that has a heart for what you're doing, they could do the event. That would save you a lot of time and travel. So the ambassador program sounds like it might be something that would work great for that, um I'm actually an ambassador for you and I'm I've, I've got some thoughts of my own about things that I can do to help you anybody that subscri- or that becomes a member of our association we're giving a portion of that membership to your organization for mm-hmm. um the what is it the bag right the what's it called the bag oh, the with some goodies bag. in it yes
1: uh, the tote bag it's our tote bag program, which is basically goes to individuals that are going through chemo uh, so they can feel good. It's, it's small stuff uh, like lipstick, uh, right. lip gloss, uh, little feel-good type of items. Uh, we don't ask for full-fledged items. We're trying to actually get with the, the companies that manufacture it and say, will mm-hmm. you provide us with your samples? Right. Those are items that they give away anyway, um, and we just say, "Look, if you give us your samples, we'll throw them into the bag." Uh, right. But we're asking for companies that have non-toxic type of products too. <laughs> we don't want to hand out a a product that is going to contribute to the, the cancer yeah. issue. But, so uh,
0: I'm, we're out of time, Tom. We're going to have to have you on again. I've got the guy running my board has another show right after this, so I'm going to have to. <laughs> stop talking with you but we're going to schedule you again this has been great having you on i appreciate everything you're doing and um we'll get this replayed so people can hear it and uh thank you so much for being my first guest on my show tonight i really appreciate it
1: thank you very much Uh, all
0: right i'll be in touch huge help thank you tom
1: okay that was tom
0: pollard with the world motorsports breast cancer foundation thank you for listening we'll see you next week